Well, welcome again. It's so good to be here. My name is Shelly, and um, I know that throughout the summer you've heard me talk a lot about uh, Randy and I being on sabbatical, our lead pastor, taking a break, taking some time to just kind of recalibrate and re reignite some dreams and some things going on. And this is a day I've been anticipating because he's back. And so um, <laughs> I am excited. So would you just um, join me in welcoming back our lead pastor, Randy Nye. At least I know what you guys really think of me now. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> <laughs> so we are excited, though, to have Randy back in our midst. Um, the elders and the staff, we've worked hard this summer, but, you know, um, it's always been with this, like, in mind it, that Randy was coming back and was going to be a part of us again. And we're just all really excited to kind of get back into the sink of things and to kind of learn from him and all that he's experienced. And so we want to have just a time this morning to give Randy, to just share and to, to just talk about what his time was. But I'll let him greet you first. So, Well, hello. <laughs> Good to see you. I was here last week, but I couldn't talk into a microphone. It felt weird. It felt, felt weird. So it's good to see you. Before I like go and talk about myself, I just want to honor the elders and the staff here in this place. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. I couldn't have, I've told people this number of times, I couldn't have done this three, four years ago, much less seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. And it's just because we have this amazing staff of Shelly and Grace and my wife and Ian and elders. And uh, I want to tell you, they've carried some heavy business this summer and done it in, with grace and with just love and strong leadership and just amazed I, they've just amazed me when I've been reintegrating and hearing about everything. It's just I'm just full of gratitude for these guys around me. So let's can you please give them a round of applause? Thanks. <laughs> um, so this morning we want to talk about sabbatical. And maybe some people um, kind of have in mind like what a sabbatical is or what its hope was to be accomplished. Um, but just starting out, Randy, I would like to hear from you as you went to sabbatical, as you started in sabbatical. This was back way back in June, if you all remember. It was June 15th, 16th, so right around there. Um, and so what were your expectations as you went into sabbatical? And then what were your first couple of weeks like? What surprised you about those first couple of weeks? Mm -hmm. I don't know what to expect, really. Um, I've known many pastors who've gone on sabbatical. It's a lot of that was because of it was an emergency sabbatical. Either they're burnt out, ready to blow the whole thing up, or moral failure, whatever it is. Or some of them were just because it was time. And mine was that one, the latter. The, it was just time. Um, I remember talking to Wade Luthrow, who heads up our Argentina Global Partnership around here. And this was probably two years ago in the summer. And... He was talking about a friend of his who's a pastor taking sabbatical, and he said, have you ever thought about, you should take a sabbatical? And I was like, I don't need that, I'm good. And then a year later, we started talking about sabbatical, the elders started bringing it up, and um, it was one of those things where I didn't, the, the closer it got, this past spring, if you noticed me, um, just not fully present, it was probably because the closer we got to sabbatical, the more I just was longing for it. I just didn't realize how much I needed it, and I, as we got closer, I was just like, is it June 16th yet? <laughs> um, and then I got on sabbatical, and I wound up a terrible person for the first part of sabbatical. Sabbatical is three months, and my spiritual director, his name's Mark Warner, he's an amazing man, he uh, broke it up into three parts. The first is rest, and the first couple of weeks were anything but restful, actually. Um, I was, when I say I turned into a terrible person, I'm not being sarcastic. Um, I, if you uh, know or know of or heard of or read books or whatever about the Enneagram, um, some of you maybe think it's demonic and that's okay. Some of you also, a few of you others might think it's like this dropped from heaven from straight from Jesus. It's probably in between those two, right? <laughs> um, but I'm an eight, and an eight is a challenger. An eight, the, the 
the crappy way to put it is an eight is the powerful person. And so I like being in power. I like being a leader. I'm uncomfortable. Even if I'm driving on a road trip with friends, I start getting a little antsy if I'm not the lead van, for crying out loud. I'm just an obnoxious person in that way. Um, But I didn't have anyone to boss around or to, to exercise authority with. And so at home, I just turned into a bad person. I, my, my, one, of my, one of my areas of brokenness that I've struggled with all my life, it kind of runs in my family. We have this Irish temperament. My, I'm a tiny bit Irish, but it takes, in my personality, it takes root a lot where I can cry in the drop of a hat and get really emotional and schmoopy and sappy and tell you I love you all the time. You guys know that. But I also can fly off the handle with my temper really quickly. When I was late in my teens, my challenge was not getting into road rage situations because I was always doing that um, in my, I mean, it just, it's kind of manifested when I was, when our kids were in like toddlers and and babies in the winter in Wisconsin, I I can't tell you how many times trying to get a car seat closed, I wanted to rip it out and throw it across my lawn. It's just what my experience. Without the baby in it, I hope. Without the baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, my kids now are a source of discipline and patience and having to control my temper. In the first week of sabbatical in particular, but the first couple of weeks, really, um, I was not fun to be around. I was easily triggered by my kids, and I would just holler at them all the time. And I just brought all sorts of tension and um, anger into the house. To the point where my wife's really, Sarah's really patient. She's really gracious with me. Doesn't usually say anything, but she would go, Randy, come on. And it's that little voice of your wife slash Holy Spirit that says, what am I doing? So I was able to process that with my spiritual director. And he would say, well, it could be because you don't have anyone to exercise authority over to lead and control. And so you're just trying to grab... When your kids are disobeying you, you're feeling disrespected and you're just trying to control them. And I was like, oh. And I was able to just release that need to just ch- to, to lead, to, to um, take charge, to feel wronged by them and just felt invitations in the moment to actually parent them well rather than just fly off the handle. So um, sabbatical actually brought unrest and it brought like some dis disjointed feelings in my soul. I had to, that, it felt like that was a necessary component of the time, was coming face to face with my own brokenness in ways that I didn't expect, but in ways that really kind of began this journey of healing and wholeness. So good. So what I hope you're hearing is like, um, a lot of times sabbatical is looked at as kind of extended vacation. Um, And that's, okay if we don't understand it, but um, I know I've even had questions of like, man, does this just mean a three-month vacation? Um, And I hope you're hearing the soul work that goes on, and if you've ever taken a journey of real self-care and soul care, um, you know that it's not easy work. It's work that takes some time and some energy and some learning and even some angst along the way, right? Um, But one of the things, Randy, that we've been praying for you, um, and especially the staff and the elders, is that you would have release from the church, too, in that first month. Can you talk about what it was like to actually release Bruce City and your Mm -hmm. ministry and and all that you wind up into that? Yeah, it was not easy. Um, Mark Warner, my spiritual director, would say, um, he said this the first time we connected was when I was like, I want to follow you. he said, as, as a pastor, especially as a lead pastor, and especially as someone who started the whole, this church, um, you can go on vacation, you can even go around the world, but you're still carrying the church. You don't, you don't take a break from that. You don't, your, your soul, your mind, your spirit doesn't get a rest from that. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, it seems like you just looked into my soul for the last 13 years, right? And that's not easy. Another metaphor he said, which he said here, if you remember, was that if you remember when you were a kid, you'd grip something really long, and then you'd have this experience of let go, and your hands kind of stayed like this, right? And it takes a while to open them up. And that's kind of, kind of how it fe- has felt like for you guys, for Bruce City with me, that I've held on f- so tightly for so long. That release wasn't just June 17th, sweet, Monday, first Monday sabbatical. I, it's gone. It's done. I'm not thinking about it. It didn't happen that way. I had to deal with my own brokenness, like I just told you. And then... Um, 
we went up, so that was one week. I, um, that was the first week at home, and then we went up to the Northwoods for two weeks, and that was wonderful. It's easy to forget about everything, and at least when you're in creation and beautiful spaces and no one's around, it was great. But then we came home, and I just got reminder after reminder. I would literally, like, see a car that I knew one of you drove, and I'd think of you, or, and then I'd hear, I'd hear a name, and I'd instantly want to figure out how to pastorally help in those situations, or I'd, I would, I just actually got home, and even on sabbatical that first month, I just was kind of full of anxiety. It wasn't fun, and then I would feel anxiety about feeling anxious, right, and um, shoot, Bruce City's going through great lengths and spending a lot of money on sabbatical, and it's not even going to work, right, <laughs> and my spiritual director again was said, just relax, it's part of the process, it'll come, and I remember even Randy Schmore called me to give me, get an update from me, I was walking away from Tosa Pool, and uh, we, had, we had said that we were going to see each other and it's going to be fun and we won't talk about church. But I was like, I'm not ready to see you guys. I can't do it. I'm, I'm in, I just feel kind of a little bit anxious. And he said, it sounds like the release hasn't happened yet. And I was like, that's exactly right. So it took a while, um, but eventually it did happen. And it wasn't just like a, I woke up in the morning, flipped the switch, and it happened. It just, I just slowly started noticing what I wasn't thinking about. And I just slowly started noticing that anxiety was gone. I love to cook. It's a way for me to unwind. So I'll get home after a day of doing all the pastoral stuff, and I'll just kind of unwind and process my day while I'm uh, cooking and music's playing. And usually I've, got almost, usually I've got all sorts of things running through my head. And one night and evening and probably mid to late July, late July, I just had this out-of-body experience where I was like, I don't have the normal seven to ten things in my head that are just kind of dancing around and parading and I get to think about this one now and then I'm going to think about the sermon and how do I creatively bring that on Sunday and then how do I navigate through this rela relational tension that these people in church have and then how do I do, there was nothing and it felt so amazingly good, it felt so refreshing. I had another moment a couple days or weeks later where I saw my phone and I remembered, oh yeah, my normal evening is that I get home and if I don't have a meeting that night, I would cook and be with the family, eat, and then as, as soon as dinner's over, I'll go back to my phone and I'll check my emails and check social media and check, check the texts and what I need to get back to. And I just had this realization, that thing has been so ridiculously quiet for a month and a half and I love it. We threaten them to not text you. Thank you, thank you actually. <laughs> It was amazing. So th that release set in, and then I could actually think about people, think about things, and it would just be in one ear out the other because it just, I felt that full release that I've never felt as an adult since I started the thing, yeah. So good. So you can tell it's a process as, you, as Randy's been talking. And um, a big part of that process is um, his spiritual director that he's talked about, Mark, and just some of the things that Mark brought him through. And um, he's, he mentioned that he's an Enneagram 8. And um, those of you that know me and some of my friends, we talk about it quite a bit, probably too much. Um, but Randy and I are actually the same on the Enneagram. Everything. And so everything. Yeah. Like, we're 8s with wings of 7. And so I'll let you figure that out for yourself. But it does explain a lot about the beginning of our relationship, yep. which wasn't always easy. Nope. Um, and there was times we wanted to rip each other's hair out, and I won. <laughs> Just kidding. Turns out. <laughs> but um, one of the things, though, that a spiritual director does is they – they begin to walk you into some new places and some new things. And one of the things that Mark walked Randy into was um, a contemplative journey. And so I'd just like for you to explain first off, what is contemplative and contemplative journey? What does that mean? Um, and then what did it begin to look like for you as mm -hmm. Mark kind of led you and directed you in that way? Mm -hmm. It's hard, probably because I'm no expert or not very smart, but I, it's hard to define what what a contemplative journey means, but I, would s I can just tell you this. Um, the heart of a contemplative journey is this practice of presence. Being present with whomever or wherever you are. Being fully present in the moment. Now, most of us, as we sit here, have probably got thoughts about what you have next, 
or what's looking you in the face on Monday or what crisis is going on and you're, we're a little distracted mentally or even internally. Maybe you, you, you can even walk into a room like this in a, a, over 100 people and just be completely oblivious and live in your own little world, right? That's kind of the opposite of the contemplative journey. The contemplative journey, what, what a spiritual director would say, can you just be present right now? Can you be present in this moment? Can you even look around you, and I'll invite you, go ahead, look around at the people around you. Can you look around and be present with these folks around you? There's story underneath the surface in these faces. There's, there's tension, and there's anxiety, and there's pain, and there's hope, and rejoicing, and goodness. Can you just be present with that all? Can you be present and listen and and learn and say, I'm going to open myself up to learning something. Can you be present and open yourself up to wonder? That we don't have to figure everything out. As a matter of fact, we have this God who is actually unknowable. Scary word for evangelicals like us. That the more you know about this God, the more you realize you don't know and you can't. And that's actually a beautiful thing. So can you be present in this moment? And then when you walk out and you drive, Home, can you be present in that moment? With a car that's full of the Holy Spirit or a bus or a walk. And when you have lunch, can you be present in that moment? It just keeps on going. Um, and so that kind of was born in me. Um, well, in a couple places. One is in the Northwoods where it's easy. It's like cheating. So it almost doesn't count. But I was able to read this book that was talking about presence and contemplative journey. And was able to just literally go down every morning with my coffee and sit on a lake gorgeous lake and I would be actually this now some of you are going to think Randy's gone off the rocker and he's a little new agey it's not it's just biblical Christ Christianity but I would be present with the lake and the waves and see the divine life that's been filled in there and I was able to just be present in that moment to take it in now again that's cheating so then I would in the summer I would um well, so I was cutting my grass. The, on Sunday mornings, it was a weird thing. Sarah, who's our children's ministry director, would go off and come here, and kids go with her, and I'd have the morning to myself on Sunday mornings. It was a weird, weird thing. It was, it was odd driving around on Sunday mornings and seeing everybody, like, walk into a bakery or to a cafe, and I'd be like, go to church! <laughs> There's, like, one right over there. Go. It's, it'd be good for you, actually. I don't understand. It was so weird seeing that, but... I didn't uh, for the first time as an adult and uh, actually in my life. And I was cutting the grass one Sunday morning. It was early on. It was probably mid-July, mid to late July. And um, I was listening to a podcast, kind of the next best thing, right? And um, the person in the podcast we were interviewing just said something to the effect of, and I've said this a million times, like, it'd be really helpful if people could actually understand, if we could actually understand that God actually likes you. He doesn't just love you because he has to and you're his kid, but he actually likes who you are. And I've said it a million times, but I had one of those moments where I was like, ah. So I pushed the pause on the podcast and I just started praying and it was just normal prayers. And I eventually said this, maybe you've said this before yourself. You've probably heard me say it. I said, oh, Holy Spirit, I just want more of you. I just long for more of you. And as I said it this time, as I was cutting the grass this Sunday morning, I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit. I didn't enjoy those words. I didn't resonate with them, actually. It kind of felt like, I don't want to say that, actually. I don't, I don't like that right now. I'm not saying I'll never say that again, but I, I don't, what I felt like in that moment, maybe you've had this experience, is I kind of reflected and felt like my relationship with the Holy Spirit kind of sometimes feels like my relationship with a girl that I really liked in college who was kind of hard to get. You know what I'm talking about? In you're chasing after affection, and sometimes you get some, and then most of the times you don't, but you kind of live on that affection that she gave me for a while, and then I'll just keep pursuing, keep pursuing, and maybe I'll get a little something. Kind of felt like that was my experience with the Holy Spirit more often than not, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't, want, I don't want that dynamic between us. And then I had this realization, and I think it was probably the Holy Spirit, and it was, would you just wake up 
and realize that I am saturating every single square inch of this neighborhood. You're cutting the grass and you're actually walking on holy ground. My presence is everywhere and I just got the chills over me and I was like, this is what I want. So I eventually stopped cutting the grass and sat on my patio and just breathed. I'm going to breathe your life in, Holy Spirit. I say yes to your presence that's everywhere. That didn't start with me. And then I would take the kids to the pool a few days later, and I would be able to pray. And I remember talking to Joe Steinke, my pastor. He's um, an amazing guy you guys have seen. But um, I said, Joe, I've had this, these amazing prayer times at the pool, even in the midst of all the noise and everything. And he goes, oh, wow, you were, you're able to tune that out? I was like, no, no, no. That's not the contemplative journey. See, the contemplative journey isn't tuning the noise out. It's actually receiving it and being present in it and saying, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I receive this, these noises of joy and family and friendship and chaos that actually comes right from your heart. I receive it and I celebrate it. And every, when, when I started praying like that and even taking walks and looking at trees, they became different to me. See, because I saw this divine breath and life everywhere I looked, even right here in this moment. So that's what the contemplative journey has been like, and it's been super transformative for me. So good. If you could just keep talking about that, that would be great. <laughs> um, we will. <laughs> yeah, it is such a, a beautiful thing, and it's um, a big question many times in the contemplative journey is, what am I being invited into? What's right there in that presence? And even as you look back over your day, sometimes the question can be what, like, what did I miss? What did I miss? What did I miss? Instead of what was I being invited into? Right. And to reframe that question is really healing in a lot of ways, in a lot of beautiful ways. So as you've been thinking about this and, and even a phrase that I know that kind of stood out to you of God in all things and all things in God. Yeah. How do you want to take some of those contemplative practices and make them practical in your everyday? Um, not all of us have three months to go to these places, and sometimes we can say, but how do I do that now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how do I do that when I have maybe half a day or mm -hmm. a couple hours here and there? So could you speak to that? Of How do you want to kind of bring those rhythms into your everyday, yep. and what would you suggest for that? Yeah. Well, Shelley kind of dropped this little quote that's kind of been... Uh, a bit of a theme for me this summer. And it's a quote from this uh, 13th century mystic in German, Germany. Her name was Mechtel. Terrible name, but it's German, so we know. Um, but old Mechtel in the 13th century. A mystic, a mystic just means it was the Catholics, Catholic Church's charismatics is what it was. We would identify a lot with them. A mystic was one who had a supernatural encounter with God. Visions maybe, heard his voice. Um, it was super unique, in, especially in that day in the church, and so they'd call them mystics. Nothing scary, nothing crazy. But Mechtold said, my spiritual awakening began when I saw God in all things and all things in God. Let me say that again. My spiritual awakening began when I began to see God in all things and all things in God. Now, before you start to say Mechtel and myself are pantheists or New Age years or whatever, doesn't that just sound like coming to realization that we have a God who intentionally and delightfully created the cosmos and put himself and his goodness and his glory in every single thing to where I can say, I don't want to walk around missing God anymore but I want to see God in everyone and everything I encounter. And I want, to, I want to remember that all of us, whether we know it or not, are actually in God, in the Father's heart. Start taking that in, it's going to change you. Um, and so my spiritual director gave me some tools. Quiet time has been something for the last few years that um, I just not only haven't engaged in, but I kind of condescend on a little bit and kind of laugh at a little bit. Now, I spend tons of time in the scriptures. I mean, since I've been preaching for a job, 
I can't tell you how, how many hours every week that I spend in the scriptures, tons. But what easily happens as a pastor is you have, your, your spiritual journey isn't your own sometimes, if you're not careful. What happens is you start having a spiritual journey. My relationship with God is vicariously for you, God. And so every, everything that I hear or read or listen to, I'm kind of constantly trying to see how can I read the scriptures in a way that's going to come alive for everybody else, right? And so I got, fell into that trap. And I would even kind of condescend on quiet times and be like, oh, you do quiet times still? That's so cute. What are you, in high school? You, but, but you journal too, right? You're just saying I'm a jerk. Um, but my spiritual director gave me some tools. And uh, I've fallen back in love with having quiet times. I'm that, I'm that person that I would have condescended on three months ago or a year ago. But couple of tools, I brought them here, and I'm going to leave them here so you guys can check them out. You can't take them because these are Mark's, my spiritual directors, and if anyone's going to steal them, it's going to be me, okay? Um, but this is, it's called, the formal name of it is A Guide to Prayer for Ministers and Other Servants. Terrible name. It's basically, people refer to it as the guidebook to prayer. There's also something very similar to it called the Book of Common Prayer, and then also there's a new, a modern version that somebody just wrote called the Blue Book. Any of them is going to, you're going to find the same things where you open them up and it's going to show you, it basically goes according to lectionary and you're going to start and it has a week full of devotions for you and you start with an invocation where you pray and just welcome this aware and grown awareness of God and his presence. And then you, there's a, a psalm that you read every day for a week, the same psalm. And then it goes into your daily reading for every day of the week you have a different reading in the gospel sometimes and the epistles and it's just has it there for you. And then there's a theme and there's a reading, a daily reflection that you get to read by someone they've just kind of copied and pasted, and it's someone, this one's Thomas Akempis, so from several centuries ago or several decades ago, and then you just get to let that wash over you, but it's this guide, instead of going, okay, God, Holy Spirit, I'm going to open up the Bible and speak to me here, and you're like, oh my gosh, a genealogy, what? Um, <laughs> so it's been a really fun tool that I highly recommend, if you're having struggles or uh, have gotten out of having spending time in the scriptures and in prayer and quiet times get get this so come up and take a picture of it also something that i'm taking into kind of how to integrate this contemplative journey into my everyday life is um poetry it's weird like it's, uh, all right it's weird because um i like the packers I like the Brewers, and I think about them a lot. So I'm kind of verklempt about Josh Hader and his situation last night. I like sports. I'm a dude. Poetry is not something that's resonated with me or that I've, that I've just has made me come alive. But man, poetry has made me come alive this summer. In particular, this book that, I, that my spiritual director gave me, it's called Gorillas of Grace by Ted Loder. Gorillas of Grace. Come up and take a picture of it and buy it yourself. I, I dare you to not fall in love with it. Because this, this guy has just has this, he's, I, I fully believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit to be able to just put to words what's going on in my soul. And it fills my, my, my days with wonder. I could go on and on about it, but those are things that have helped me. And even this week as I've come back into reintegrating, hearing about things and Things that have, would have made me internally go into a tailspin. This week, I've just been able to release them. Tells me that sabbatical actually works. <laughs> it's good. He still bleeds green and gold and blue and gold, so don't worry. Um, we haven't lost him <laughs> and who his personality is. It's just added onto and enhanced even more. And so... Um, I love that because I love that, that God meets us right where we are. And then he says, and I have some new things yep. for you to experience and to grow and to be challenged in. And so one of the things is, um, Randy's alluded to already, that he's met with a spiritual director. You all met him back uh, on the day that Randy left for sabbatical. And, um, and then Randy was also able to go and have a spiritual retreat in Colorado. And that's something that the elders actually really wanted to encourage him to do. Um, to kind of have some time set apart with people that had no vested interest at Bruce City and could speak truth and life and all sorts of things to him. And so I want him to share a little bit about what that experience was like um, to go on spiritual retreat. And then um, the good and the bad. So don't forget the story about the Airbnb. Got it. All right. 
Yes, yeah, so the elders, uh, when they kind of commissioned me into, or told me they wanted me to take sabbatical, had a couple conditions, and one was that um, we get some family time away, one was that me and Sarah get some time away, and then another was that I get a spiritual retreat by myself. And, um, and again, that it was not in local, so that it can just be really unique. So I uh, connected with this place called Potter's Inn. It's out in uh, the high country in Colorado, um, just up the mountains from Colorado Springs, and uh, connected with this randomly with this couple who does spiritual direction, and they actually do it on their own now, but um, really, really wonderful. So I got, I flew out on a Sunday morning. I took a, got on a 5 a.m. flight, which sucked, and then flew into Denver, and I was like, hey, there's no, de no traffic in Denver. Like, I'm here, so let me go up to Boulder. So I went up to Boulder, Colorado, which is just 20 minutes um, from Denver, and was able to get some delicious breakfast and enjoy the, the, the mall there and um, hiked in the Flatiron Mountains. It was just a gorgeous, amazing place, Boulder, Colorado. Fully endorse it. Um, and then drove, did about an hour and a half drive from Boulder to Colorado Springs and then went up into the high country where my retreat place was. And um, I'm not a guy who sees the devil in around every bush and attributes everything to spiritual warfare. I, I just don't like that. But it felt like some spiritual spiritual attack that day by myself. It was weird. Um, I, I love time on my own, typically, but um, I just had this overwhelming sadness and melancholy on that whole drive. And it just felt like I wanted to cry the whole time. It was really weird, and I didn't like it, and I was trying to release it, trying to, and even with the contemplative thing, so I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna be present with my sadness. It's okay, but it didn't work. <laughs> and kept driving up further into the mountains in this beauty, and um, just kept feeling, feeling sad. And then I got to my Airbnb, and maybe some of you who've rented Airbnbs have had this experience, but um, the pictures were awesome, and I was uh, super excited about it, and then I got there, and it was awful. It was in this area, I didn't know Colorado, so I just booked it, and it was near the spiritual directors, and um, it felt like I was in the, the Colorado version of deliverance. It was that kind of, it was like, hillbilly high country. It was terrible. I felt like I was going to get shot at if I went up the wrong driveway. And my spiritual directors was like, yeah, that's how that neighborhood is. I wouldn't go up the wrong driveway. People have gotten shot at. It felt like that. So I was like, how am I supposed to, I know they're going to send me on walks to process and pray. I'm not going to feel rested and welcome to walk around here. And then I got in the, 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 the Airbnb place and it was just tiny. It was a little cubby hole. And I was just like, we spent a lot of money as a church to have me feel refreshed and to do this retreat. And it's this is terrible. And so I FaceTimed my family and uh, my son Jude, who's sensitive like me, he could pick up and he was like, Daddy, are you going to cry? And I was like, I'm trying not to, buddy. Just felt weird. felt off. And so I texted my spiritual director in Colorado. I, they had already offered. We have a space in our, ba in our basement and we have this kind of a, another apartment. But I was like, I don't want to stay in a basement. So I didn't do it. And I texted him. I was like, Dwayne, can I, is it still open? Is, I don't, I'm, I don't like this place. And he had already come and dropped off a welcome package, care package for me. And he was like, oh my goodness, I was there earlier. Please come over. It's terrible over there. <laughs> so I'm very relieved. And then the owners of the Airbnb, they're great. They're Christians. They were just, yeah, we're not going to charge you for it. Whatever, go do it. It was really gracious of them. So I drive over and I'm still kind of feeling sad, but released. And I drive up to this place. It's on like 9,200 feet in the mountains. And it's this, they have this wooden, wood log cabin house. And they're on their porch and they've got some, some warm, some tea or something, and they're just sitting there. There's these lights stranded up, and I just felt like I was welcomed into heaven. It was just, I went from feeling super sad to just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. It was so good. So that began the spiritual retreat, and, um, and I would sit with Dwayne, the spiritual director in Colorado, for three hours every morning, 9 to 12, and um, it was rich loaded time and my wife when she first heard it was from 9 to 12 noon every day she was like that's it paying all this money for that and when I told my spiritual director Mark here at home in Milwaukee that that it was from 9 to 12 every morning he was like that is so much holy cow that's so brave <laughs> so we just had time and what I was expecting I hadn't thought about Bruce City Church stuff at all but I kind of geared myself up for it at the spiritual retreat because I thought we're gonna talk about how you know pastoring the church has screwed me up and we're gonna undo all that stuff and we didn't talk about church a whole lot at all we talked about my childhood and my youth, and I was totally blindsided by it, but what he would say and what other spiritual directors would say is that your soul is formed and shaped in the first 12 to 15 years of your life more than any other time in your life. 
your ego gets shaped in that set point. And by ego, I mean this false self that you kind of construct to protect yourself. It's like the, the hard stuff around your soul that protects yourself, right? Because of experiences that you've had, because of what your parents did or didn't do, because of teachers, because of peers, because of students, all that stuff. And so it just kept bringing me back to my childhood and my youth and my family, and it was amazingly surprising and remarkably healing. I found myself, he would say, okay, we've got this boulder up there that you can go sit on. I was like, sit on a boulder? So I'd walk up. In, in Colorado, you walk 200 feet and you're out of breath, right? About 10,000 feet. But I'd walk up with a chair, parked myself in this rock that was flattened out about as big as this whole room. And it had this 360 view of the collegiate peaks snow-capped over there, and then the um, Sangre de Cristos over there, another mountain range. It's just this gorgeous, breathtaking view. And I would just sit there all afternoon and start forgiving family members for certain things that I'd never done and start processing my own internal soul journey and um, just had some profound moments by myself. That was the first three days. I'm so long-winded this service. Um, I'm excited about this stuff. Then the, my, Sarah, my wife, came and we had a couples retreat where we got to, as a couple, sit with Dwayne and Sandy. They're the husband and wife team there and we're able to talk about things with with them that we haven't talked about with anybody and haven't processed and it was just this beautiful healing time. And then we got a chance to just leave them and go to the city called Salida in Colorado. That's just this amazing, whimsical town up in the mountains. And we had a, um, just a two, to two or three day couples getaway where we got to hike every day and play in the Arkansas River and pretend that we were 18 again. It was just an amazing, beautiful time. Um, it's one of those times, do you, know, do, you, have you, do you have a time where when you think about that moment, you just warm in, in your heart a little bit? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's what that time was for me. So it was, you, you guys helped me do that. And so I'm, I can't tell you how appreciative I am. So good. It's so good. And that inner soul work is so important. And I just want to encourage you, if you've never ventured there, or you feel like, wow, I've never even thought about what's going on in my soul. One of my favorite questions, and I've even asked it a couple times when I've hosted here, is um, how's your soul? How is your soul? And I had a, a spiritual director in my life who asked that question all the time, and he's gone from us now. Um, but he would, you know, he'd let you be surface for about 3.5 seconds to talk about the weather or sports, and then he'd just dig in. Shelly, what's going on? How's your soul? And I just want to encourage you to ask those questions. Those were the questions that Randy's talking about that were being asked of him. And sometimes we need that spiritual director, those people to walk alongside of us. And right now there's 14 people actually asking those questions in a thing called the journey here at Bruce City. And it's a, it's a beautiful time to, to dig in and to look into those deep spaces and to even recognize and be able to call out our false selves. And so it's work. And so that's one of the things that I want you to just be hearing this morning, that the sabbatical wasn't just um, vacation, which I'm so thankful that they got beautiful times of vacation and going to the Northwoods, which I know is one of those happy places, and going up into the mountains of Colorado where um, there's just so much beauty and it's so breathtaking. But it's also a time of like deep introspection and deep times of allowing the Father to just meet you in your yuck. <laughs> And even to hear Randy say something like, and it didn't work, like that one day, you, I don't remember now exactly what you were saying, but when he said it, and it didn't work. And, and to give ourselves space to breathe mm -hmm. and to realize that it's not always going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And Randy's still Randy as he comes back, but he's Randy who's learned and he's walked and he's walked deeper into some places. But there's, I'm sure, going to be days where Randy's frustrated mm -hmm. or he has to step back like we all do yeah. and to, to give ourselves those spaces. But as you think about this and as we kind of begin to wind up here, um, what are some practical ways, like even with um, being present with your family, with your kids, with Sarah, um, what your hopes are for that coming off of this? And then even your relationship with something as commonplace really in our day and age as social media. Mm -hmm. What does that mm -hmm. look like? How do you walk that? Yeah. Um, I, I think Mark told me to stay off social media um, because I, how can I release Bruce City and you guys if I'm seeing you all the time, right? So I, I just got off social media, and I got to tell you, friends, that in and of itself was transformative. Just getting off the screen, getting off not just the screen, but social media. What, I've, what I grew an awareness of is like, oh my gosh, I am judging people so much less 
because I'm not judging them through the lens of the thing that I disagree with that they posted or the politic political thing or the thing about guns that they posted or the thing about their kids that annoyed me or whatever it is. I was just able to, uh, social media is a real big invitation to judgment. And when you put that screen down, you start seeing people for who they really are. And it's life-giving. And I was actually able to be present with my kids. If you would have seen me several months ago, I would be sitting there watching something with my family in the evening, and I would have sometimes one eye on the TV, but mostly in with them, and mostly I'm just scrolling through a feed or looking at stuff. I wasn't actually present with my family. I wasn't actually present with the people around me, but when I had that phone over there and I wasn't on social media, I didn't feel the compulsion to see how many likes I got or see what that person said or see how many comments or who commented or are they debating still. It just frees you up to be present wherever you are with whomever you're with. And it changes the way you live, the way you feel inside. So I'm going to encourage some of you guys, fast from it for a while, and I'll bet you you're going to be like me. You won't see me on social media. You won't see me liking things. I like all the things, but I won't do that on social media because I'm just off of it, and I'm not going back. I'm just, I have a, I have a, a Facebook account and a Twitter account, but um, I... I'll just use it to friend you. If you're new around here, you'll, you'll, you'll get a friend request from me. It's just my way of staying connected with you and having you want to come back to Bruce City Church. But that's, that's I'm not going to go back to social media because I don't want that in my life. I don't need that. And I'll bet if you fasted from it for a season, you'd be refreshed and think about putting it away for a long time. I think our world would be a better place without social media. It's <laughs> good. Well, there's a practical thing we all can do, right? At least a fast from social media. But I just want to encourage you, um, even as Randy challenged us in his opening this morning, of what is it that I can take from this? What's a nugget, a truth that I can, can walk in? Because some of us might be sitting here going, well, that's great, Randy, but you had three months <laughs> to, to enter into this full sabbatical rest and stuff. So how do we do it? How do we do it? And I just want to encourage you guys, it can be a Saturday morning. Yep. It can be a Sunday afternoon or an evening where you just have time to yourself to take a chunk of time and just begin to slow your pace and begin to just settle into the Father and just ask him to meet you and turn off your phone and turn off TVs and screens and all the things that distract us. Um, because practically speaking, we aren't all able to take a sabbatical all the time, but we can enter into Sabbath rest. Yep. And it's beautiful. And so I just have one more question as we're going to close out here. And um, then we're going to have a time of communion together. And I just think what a great way to, to just welcome back our lead pastor and our friend more than anything um, is to just be at the table together and to share, share that meal together. But before we do, one of the things that we've been praying as a congregation, Randy, is that you would just have um, like renewed dreams for what you want for Bruce City, for what your role is here, for how you're going to walk that, where you're going to lead us, things that you have on your heart um, as we walk together this family life, this spiritual family life. So would you just share maybe a little bit about what God's kind of breathing into you for this next season, mm -hmm. next sermon series, mm -hmm. next all of that? Yep. Um, I thought about whether or not I was going to share this with you guys because most pastors or church growth experts would say, do not share this, but I'm going to. Um, one of the things about, like, as I think about Bruce City and dream about it, here's something that you should know. I just care less about it. And that feels really healthy, actually. See, because I've, I've tried to do this in the most healthy way and not see myself through my, in my identity as a pastor and how, how many good responses I get to each sermon and blah, blah, blah. But it, I, I, I was a, unable to do it. And this summer, getting a break from it all, I just realized that I am not my job. I'm not my vocation, even though I think it's really important. Sometimes I think it's too important. And I, as I came back into this, I just noticed that I just don't care as much. And when you talk about dreaming, and I've even wondered, am I going to be as good at it since I don't care about it as much? And one of the, a pastor friend of mine said, I think you're going to be better because you don't care as much. Um, but when you talk about dreaming, I've, I'd like to talk about that. I dream about the church, but historically, that's, it's been less dreaming and more obsessing. And so I want to obsess less and dream more. Um, so 
while I don't care as much, I still love it maybe even more. And what I want to do, I've, I've been thinking about what to preach about because I know you guys want to hear from me, but um, I was thinking about doing this, we're going to do this sermon series that I've been excited for for months, um, and I planned it beforehand uh, as much as I could so I wouldn't have to f- freak out after sabbatical, but I was thinking I'd do a few standalone sermons, but I just couldn't bring myself, I couldn't think of what I want to talk about besides this thing that we're going to be talking about starting next week. We're going to roll out this new sermon series next week called The Cosmic Christ. The Cosmic Christ. And I've been so excited to talk about this. Now we're going we're gonna to be talking about a lot of the things that I've been talking about this morning, which is awakening to the reality that we live in a Christ-saturated world. We're going to come alive to the reality that Jesus is so much bigger than you ever thought he was, than we ever thought he was, and Christ is actually not his last name. We're going to be thinking about how this Christ who was and is and is to come fills the cosmos with his glory and goodness and presence, can't get away from it. We're going to be spending time in Colossians 1 and Ephesians 1 and John 1, 1 John 1, Hebrews 1, where Paul just seems to get Jesus on a bigger level than you and I mostly do. Can't wait to to do that. So that'll start next week. And I, for one, am very excited (laughs) about that sermon series. It's something that um, even throughout the summer we've been praying into, and, and so I'm excited to just dig into that and to walk together as family in that. Um, but I'm going to step away now for, for just a little bit, and Randy is going to lead us in a time of communion, and he's going to just um, kind of frame that up for us, and then we're going to partake together. And I just think what a great way to welcome back um, our friend and to say we're just so glad you're here. We are so glad to hear all the stories, and I know that as you bring this sermon series, we're going to hear more mm-hmm. of the things that God has taught you, the things that... Um, the things of beauty that he has for us as a, a body here, too. And so we're just so grateful to have you back, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Shelley. Well, friends, um, I went to two church services all summer for three months. Went with my dad to Mount Olive Lutheran, and I grew up Lutheran. It was great to just do the liturgical service again and support my dad because he supports me. And then I went to Park Lawn Assembly because Walter Harvey, the pastor there, is a great friend of mine. And but that was it, and it felt needed. But if you remember in the Gospels, when Jesus is sitting down at the table with his disciples, and he says this in one of the Gospels, he said, I've eagerly desired to share this meal with you. Do you remember that? I feel like that now. Bruce City, my family, I've eagerly desired to share in this Eucharist, the Lord's table with you. I haven't done this all summer long, and so I've longed to share this moment with you and just remember i'm i just am grateful that we have this savior this god who says i know you guys are mostly pea-brained and you forget and you'll even be sitting in a sunday service talking about me and you'll forget that it's actually just all about me jesus says so i'm going to give you this silly symbol of bread and juice here so that you can know that you're talking about presence. Jesus is saying, I'm present right now, right here in this moment. My life, myself is here, and it's a reminder that where you feel maybe disjointed or disconnected from the life of God maybe at this moment, and you're being, able, you're being invited by Jesus to remember When you're invited to this, when we're invited to this table by Jesus, we're invited to actually make a countercultural statement in this world that we live in. When you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're actually disagreeing with the dark, hopeless ways of this world, the, the, the disjointed, partisan ways of this world, and you're actually saying, I'm saying yes to light and life and family. I'm saying yes to a redeemed humanity because Jesus, God himself, in his life, death, and resurrection has accomplished victory for us. And when you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you're eating that victory and you're saying, I'm not just going to walk out of here and gone through the motions. I'm actually going to ingest the very life of Jesus. I'm going to ingest and then I'm going to digest. And Jesus says, as you walk out of here, you're going to have me inside of you. Transforming the way you see things. Transforming the way you see yourself. This is what you do when you approach this table. As you approach this table, know that you're being, you're being invited by Jesus. And he's saying, all that brokenness, all that sin, all that stuff that you know about yourself, you're released. You're forgiven. Completely. Totally. And now here's something else that Jesus, if you know him from the Gospels, he'll invite you to do before you come to this table. Just as you've been released, can you release that person that you're holding that grudge against? Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe whoever it is, would you just release forgiveness in this moment before you approach this table? Because if a few of us do that, friends, this space is a sacred space where forgiveness and chains of, 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 of unforgiveness are being released and broken. And I only have the audacity to say these things because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest just like Randy read. Jesus says, Paul said in in his, one of his letters to Corinthians that when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. That means you proclaim it to yourself. You proclaim it to that person who wronged you just recently or years ago. You're released. You proclaim it to that grief that you've been carrying. It's covered by Jesus. And you proclaim it to this world who needs a des desperately needs a proclamation of the gospel. That's what we do when we come to this table. Would you like to do that? If you feel like this is going through the motions, I'm going to encourage you, lovingly encourage you, just stay in your seat. Don't do that. But Jesus is inviting you. Would you come and be transformed by this silly thing? Watch what happens. So Jesus, we say yes. I can't speak for my friends, for my family, but I say yes. I say yes to your life in my life. I say yes to your hope that you bring. I say yes to the story of redemption I'm invited into over and over again. And I want to be born again into it all over again. I want to be born again into the hope that you bring. I want to be born again into the forgiveness and freedom that you so freely offer me. I want to be born again to the rest and the beauty that you have for me, to the purpose. And so we say yes to you, Jesus, and your presence here in Jesus' name. When you're ready, when you've done that business, I'll encourage you just whenever you're ready, come up the center aisle and go down the side aisles. I'm going to invite the servers to come on up, and then we're just going to worship this Jesus together.